to the latest episode of the Odds On Podcast, your home of football and sports betting. My name's Dan Tracy, and for the next 45 minutes, I'm joined by two top guests as we dissect all the numbers, look for the value, and find those long shots before this weekend's football action. As I say, it's not just me on the show today, so before we start waxing lyrical about wagers, let's get the introductions out of the way. First up, I'm joined by Craig Jones. Craig, it's a pleasure to have you on the show once again. How have you been this past week? Yeah, really good, mate. Thank you. I've just uh, parked the bus for domestic football for a few weeks now, and it's all on to the international scene. Absolutely. And last but certainly not least is Jamie Brown. Jamie, I hope all is well. How have you been this past seven days? Yeah, all good. Thanks, Dan. And uh, yeah, again, the same. I'm just delighted that, uh, you know, especially being a Spurs fan, delighted that kind of domestic football is uh, taking a bit of a break. I can definitely do with a break from Tottenham Hotspur stressing me out for the first half of matches. So, uh, yeah, looking forward to getting into some international football now and, of course, the World Cup. So, uh, yeah, really looking forward to today's show. Glad to hear. Right, that's all the intros out of the way. So let's get down to business. And, of course, before we start, wherever you bet, check firstly freebets.com, your best place for offers, tips and insights. And from a social media point of view, if you're placing any bets this weekend or even during the next week, let us know via the Odds on Podcast hashtag. And who knows, we may be discussing your winners on next week's show. Okay, where should we start first? Well, we are taking a flight to Qatar for this World Cup preview show, and our task is to run through each of the eight groups. More importantly, we're going to offer our opinions on group winners, early exits, and best bets. So, the logical starting point will be Group A. And Craig, is this going to be a case of the Netherlands and one other to advance to the round of 16? I think it is, Dan, yeah. The the Netherlands look a class above everything else in this group for me. Uh, Four to nine to win the group. I think if you're looking for your sort of your group winner, Acker, sort of corner selections, then they probably appear in, in, in most people's hackers at the minute. Um, I think Senegal are the other team in the group that I look at, but with issues around Sadio Mane and whether he's actually going to be fit, um, that sort of cools me a little on them. And, and these two play each other the first as well. So that gives the Netherlands maybe an even bigger advantage if you're worried as to sort of how they would cope in their first game going over to Qatar with the heat and, and whatever. Um in terms of sort of a bet for this group, just trying to find a little bit of value if I can, with, like I said, a four to nine to win the group. Uh, the Netherlands are nine to four to win the group and get nine points, which means three wins out of three. Uh, that's the one that caught my eye, I think, here. Um, they, they look rock solid to me. That's a very good shout, actually. I think that's where the value is in terms of the Dutch. But, Jamie, in terms of second place, you get the feeling it's going to be between Senegal and Ecuador in terms of the battle. You can get evens on the former to advance, four to five, for the latter, if you had to pick from these two, where would you go? Yeah, look, this is going to be quite a difficult one to, to call between these two teams. I think it's going to be a very evenly matched game. Um, I think both teams are kind of impressed over recent times. Of course, even with Senegal, they come into this tournament as AFCON winners. Um, in, in qualifying as well, they were very impressive. They topped their group. Obviously, then went on to be Egypt to kind of reach the tournament as well. So, you know, they've been impressive and they do come into this tournament with with some really interesting players in that team. You know, Craig did mention there, obviously, their star man, Sadio Mane. There is a bit of, obviously, question marks over his fitness. Obviously, he did go off with that injury for Bayern Munich. But then they've also got the likes of Koulibaly, Edouard Mendy, Ismail Assar, Idrissa Gueye. 
So, you know, they've got a pretty solid team there. So they're going to be an interesting team to kind of look out for at the tournament. But Ecuador have kind of been really impressive during this year as well. Um, for me, I was, I was looking at this Senegal team and thinking, you know, you look at those stars. But actually, Ecuador, they've been really impressive, as I said, in 2022. Um, you know, they've managed uh, just one defeat in 11 matches for them. Um, they've drawn with the likes of Brazil and Argentina as well. They also came through a very competitive qualifying in, in, in South America Obviously, you know, so many t- kind of teams that were really kind of looking to push for that that final qualifying spot, obviously, with Brazil and Argentina both going through comfortably. But th- they came through that qualifying. And so they're going to be an impressive team at this tournament. So it's, it's a really tricky one to call. But I'm actually going to lean slightly towards the South Americans here. I said their form's been really impressive this year. Obviously, gone undefeated against Brazil and Argentina. Um, I mentioned they came to that really competitive qualifying in South America. So, um my pick here is actually going to be, I'm going to go with Ecuador. I think Ecuador will be the team to kind of go through with the Netherlands. Um, but yeah, it's going to, going to be a really interesting game, this one, for sure. Well, let's focus slightly on Ecuador now, because they face Qatar on the opening afternoon of the World Cup. But in terms of Qatar, hosts, they have only lost one of their last five World Cups. So when you start the World Cup, the host usually gets things underway. One defeat in their last five. So it looks good if you're a host nation. With that in mind, Craig, would you fancy the 2022 hosts to at least open their accounts at the weekend? I think what you've both just said is sort of the the conundrum for punters, really. So Ecuador have, have impressed in qualifying down in South America. And, and as Jamie alluded to, they've, they're unbeaten against Brazil and Argentina. Um, the, the one sort of caveat, though, is the, the fact that this is the opening game. And as you mentioned, the hosts tend to do well. I think if you're asking me who wins this game, if it's the second or the third game of the group stages, then I'm with Ecuador. But the fact that this is the opening game of the tournament just makes me think that maybe Qatar can possibly nick a draw from it. Just a, a strange sort of environment to kickstart things. It's the only game of the day as well on, on Sunday. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if these two ended in, in a stalemate. Yeah, I'd like the look of Qatar double chance, really, just for an opening bet. As you say, if it gets into the second and third cycle of the group stage fixtures, Ecuador will probably find their feet more. But with the host looking to impress, looking to almost show why they are World Cup hosts and almost justify the reasons behind this staging, they're going to want to prove a point. And I think they might just earn a point at the same time. But Jamie, but Jamie, if we look at the Netherlands versus Senegal a day later, what do you reckon the value bets are in this encounter? Mm. Yeah, look, I'm, I'm going to look at kind of the Netherlands defence here. I think they look really strong. I've got to think they've got some great options there with the likes of Van Dijk, De Ligt, Urien Timber, of course, a guy uh, who's currently playing at Ajax and been linked with a number of major clubs around Europe. Obviously, Ake and De Vrij as well. So lots of great options in that defence. They've kept clean sheets against the likes of Poland and Belgium as well in, in their last two games as well. So I think defensively, the Netherlands look really strong um, this year and um, I, I think they can do well at, at the, the tournament. Um, so I'm going to go for a win to nil here. Obviously, uh, we know that, that um, Senegal do have kind of the attacking quality as well. But again, we do have those question marks over Sadio Mane. And, and will he be kind of fit enough to, to start this game? Will he be fit enough to kind of really hit his top form? So I'm going to go with those question marks and I'm going to go for a Netherlands win to nil here. And you get that at 13 to 8. Yeah, I think that's a good shout. If you asked me, I don't know, four nights ago before the Mane injury, this game I would have said Netherlands to win, but both teams to score. If we now factor in that potential injury, as you say, Jamie, rightly so, I think it's a Netherlands win and a clean sheet. But let's move on to Group B now and our very own England. So, Craig, a disaster of a Nations League campaign for the Free Lions. Surely it cannot be a disaster in Qatar. Is top spot guaranteed for you? Um, 
do you know what? I, th- I think it is, but it's it's not going to be pretty at all. Um, I can see us getting through with a fairly defensive mindset. Um, I think one of the things that Gareth Southgate sort of criticised of in the past has, has been the way that he does set up maybe slightly defensively and maybe sort of looks after the basics. But I think given the way that England went through the Nations League, may, maybe that's not actually the, the worst approach at the minute. You know, get the basics right, get the defensive structure right, try and keep some clean sheets and gradually sort of progress from there. I just think that we we will start slowly and get better. And I think that's maybe a plan um, because of what's happened recently. I think we're short to win the group because of that. Um, If you're sort of forcing me to try and find a bit of value in here, then maybe us to come first with the US second behind us, which will be 13 to 8. It's not going to be pretty, but but I do think we've slightly just about got enough to get there. Uh, and then hopefully improve as we sort of get into the knockout round. OK, we're going to focus on England in a bit more detail in just a moment. But let's focus on the United States and Wales now, Jamie. They meet first in the opening few days of the World Cup. Is that fixture going to define Group B? Is it more a case of Wales trying to avoid defeat and get off the mark? Or do they need to go all out for the win? Yeah, look, I, I think it's kind of similar to what Craig said in terms of England. You'd think that England should be able to top that group, but kind of everything that's surrounding kind of the national team at the moment, you maybe have some doubts, but you'd have to say this one does feel crucial between Wales and USA. You know, realistically, it should be the two teams kind of competing for that final place to qualify. But again, I just, I just feel as though both teams will kind of look at England and maybe fancy their, their chances of the three lines slipping up. You know, we've seen England's recent form. We've kind of seen the the general mood surrounding the national team at the moment. So both teams kind of might come into this game thinking, well, look, we just can't try and avoid defeat here. Um, I think that that's going to be the main thing. And again, it's, you know, it's going to be two teams that realistically are fighting for that second place spot. So I think it's going to be quite a cagey one where neither side's going to want to lose it rather than both going for the win. So I can kind of see this playing out as a draw, this one. So I like the look of a draw. I think it's pretty decent value at uh, two to one. I just think it's going to be a cagey affair. So another team wanted to lose this one. So yeah, I'm going to go for a draw uh, between the Wales and USA. Okay, Craig, let's extend that theme slightly in terms of the draw between Wales and the USA. You can get the draw and under 2.5 total goals at odds of 13 to five. Does that interest you at all? Yeah, it definitely would. Yeah, Um, pretty much sort of cut and paste what Jamie's just said into this sort of uh, part of the show, really. And and I'm in full agreement with him. I think the the big thing that's pushing this for me is is the timing of the game. So if this was the second or the third game, and and as Jamie sort of mentioned, if at that point England had maybe slipped up somewhere along the lines, I could see both teams really going for this and really trying to make the mark and win the group. However, the fact that this is the first game, I think sort of common sense will prevail a little bit. Both teams will want to make sure they don't lose this one rather than going out to uh, to win it. Um, a cagey start, first game, massive importance. Uh, just got draw written all over it for me and a low scoring draw at that, either 0-0 or 1-1. Right, Jamie, you're on the hunt for value now as England open up against Iran. The markets aren't giving much away in terms of value. So what can you do to make this game more interesting from a betting perspective? Yeah, I mean, look, Craig mentioned it earlier in, in terms of England and maybe being a more slightly defensive approach. And look, offensively, we've kind of seen England being pretty underwhelming recently. Um, it's, it's frustrating as well because, you know, you look at the potential front three that England can field or even four if you go with the likes of James Madison in behind a Kane, Foden and Saka. So you, you just look at that attack and think, you know, this England team kind of should be offering so much more. But look, 
We saw it at the Euros as well. It was an England attack that kind of took a while to get going. It was also an England team that scored just twice um, in, in their three matches at the Euros as well. So I think it's kind of going to be a, a similar case this time around as well, where England are going to be a low-scoring team in the group um, as well. You know, recently it's not been great in front of goal for England. Uh, failed to score in four of their last six matches as well. So, yeah, I, I think England are going to be low scorers here. Um, I think against Iran as well, I don't think we're going to be a team that we're going to really kind of um, score lots of goals against. So, for me, I think this is going to be one where England just about nick it. Um, I'm going to go for an England win under 2.5 goals. You can get that at 13-8. to eight. Um, If you do fancy goals for this one, I do also kind of like the look of an England win and, and Kane to score two more. And you can get that at 9-2. to two. Um, And that, that's just if you do fancy goals in this one. But as I said, for me, I just think England are going to be low scorers at this tournament. We've seen them struggling for goals. Which is, is frustrating given given the attacking talent that we have. But uh, I think that's why England are going to be this tournament. Right, let's take a deeper dive into their overall chances now. Craig, we've just touched on their Group B opening game antics. What does it mean for the tournament as a whole? Do you think they can win it? Uh, the short answer is no, I, I don't think we can. And, and pretty much the reasons that we've sort of alluded to, and, and we're going along similar lines again, um, I think it will take a good team to beat England and break us down and, and beat us. But at the same time, I'm not quite sure our, our sort of mindset and our approach is good enough to really take the game to to one of the top nations, have a go at them, take them take them on and beat them, uh, and that's what we're going to have to do at some point in the tournament. Unfortunately, I, I don't think we'll win it. No, um, but as I said, I do think it will take a good team, good team to beat us, and and that's just sort of the the Gareth Southgate mentality, really. And as Jamie's just said, if you look at the front three that we could put out there, and, and maybe throw in a fourth player if you have either James Madison or Mason Mount in behind, um, we should be scoring for fun. And if, even if you sort of, you know, let's say that a player gets injured out of that front three, then we've got replacements that are more than adequate enough to go out there and score goals. Uh, but unfortunately, we're struggling and we've not quite sort of... It's, it's as though the shackles need to come off. And um, at a World Cup, with, with a bit of pressure on, I just can't envisage Gareth Southgate taking those shackles off. So, So it's a no from me. OK, then, Jamie, I guess the conundrum for Gareth Southgate is getting all the pieces of the jigsaw fitting together correctly. Because you look at the England team in the last couple of months, there's been a lack of balance in between midfield and attack. It's not quite there. So yeah. do you reckon he can solve that conundrum in Qatar? <laughs> yeah, look, Dan, I just want to know as well, kind of what, you know, what we've done to kind of deserve to have to support England and Spurs, of course. <laughs> Two teams that always kind of just about fall short, always frustrations and, of course, you know, we've, we've had to watch defensive football for the last couple of years and uh, looks like we're going to be doing this this England team as well, unfortunately. But um, yeah, look, look, just on this team, I, I think the big thing that worries me the most is it just feels as though there's not really been a settled lineup. It kind of felt like that at the Euros where, you know, you didn't really know what England's best team was. You didn't know how we're going to approach it. I mean, even now, you know, are we going to go with the back four? Are we going to go with the back five? You know, still so many question marks over how this England team is going to line up. I mean, um, you know, as well as, you know, are these partnerships actually kind of, they've not really had a chance to play with each other. The likes of Bellin and Rice looks like on paper, really solid, but, you know, are they really kind of familiar with each other? Have they had those opportunities to really play with one another? It doesn't feel like that. You know, again, could be the same case with England's attack, you know, not really seen Foden, Saka and Kane again. You know, I say that out loud and it just seems, you know, that there's a lot to be excited about there, but you know, can they really click? Have they played with each other enough? And and that, that's maybe for me the concern. You know, have we got that t actual functioning team? And that that that's where I have the biggest worries. 
I then look at the, the other favourites, the likes of Argentina and Brazil. These are kind of teams that kind of look as though they are settled teams. We saw Argentina at the Copa America. They just look like a really well-functioning team. And, and I think that that's going to be where we'll see kind of the winners come from. Teams that are, you know, fully settled. Um, and, and that's why I really like the looks of those two South American teams. Um, I think as well, you know, injuries obviously been been a big part for us. I think to miss the likes of Rhys James, Ben Chilwell, you know, if we are going to play wing backs, they're big losses. Um, and the other, the, the main thing for me is I look at that England squad and the defence is is a real worry for me. I just I, I look at the central defenders, and I think England are kind of missing that real top top guy at the back who's going to be able to organise the defence. That for me is the biggest concern and. Uh, Ultimately, why I don't think England are going to win the World Cup and why it won't come home, unfortunately. OK, now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. I want to know where you think England will either drop out or win the World Cup. I get the feeling it's going to be a drop out. But, Greg, I'll ask anyway, what is your take on the three Lions? Yeah, it is going to be a drop out. Uh, unfortunately, as well, I'm going for the favourite in this market. So apologies in advance for that. Um, I'm going for England to be knocked out in the quarterfinals, uh, which is, like I said, the favourite in the market. It's available at 2-1. to one. Uh, basically, the reasoning for it, as we've, we've sort of alluded to for the past five minutes, I think England will win the group. Um, bit of a spoiler for later, I also think France will win their group. And that sets up a collision course between England and France in the quarterfinals. And I just can't envisage a sort of scenario where this England team's capable of beating France. Um, I think when we sort of mentioned going out in the quarterfinals, that instantly feels like a disappointing tournament for, for an England team that should be far better. Um, but but of the same respect, sort of over the past five minutes, we've explained why England are quite not at the top tier, uh, and France are at the top tier. And, and regardless of when you play France, um, I don't think we can beat them. So, uh, assuming that we play France in the quarterfinals, which I'm going to look a bit silly if we don't now, um, I'm with the quarterfinal knockout, which is available at two to one. I'm afraid. And Jamie, the same question for you, please. Yeah, well, look, Craig, if you do look silly, I'm going to join you here and I'm going to go for quarterfinals as well. I mean, I did kind of a, a predictor of the World Cup prior to the show. And um, yeah, it kind of came out in a similar way where, you know, we end up with, uh, you know, we end up group winners. We end up facing France in the quarterfinals. But look, if we were to top the group, it would potentially set up a game against uh, either Holland, Senegal, Ecuador. You'd assume that it would be the runners up in that group would be would come between Senegal, Ecuador. So you, you kind of fancy us against those teams. But I think France, you know, if we were to face France, it does play out how expected and we do face France. I think that that will be, um, yeah, unfortunately, I, I can see England crashing out there. The only the only maybe caveat you'd, you'd add to that is this French team. Yes, there's so many kind of exciting players in that team. They're like Mbappe, Benzema. Um, but they're kind of a team that it just seems like there is so many egos in that team. And uh, we obviously saw that at the Euros. You know, they, they obviously crashed out, I think it was to Switzerland in, in the knockout stages. So maybe there could be something there where, you know, England do kind of maybe just nick it. But I think realistically, you've got to look at the likes of Mbappe going up against Harry Maguire. I think there's only one winner there. So, um, yeah, for me, I'm going to go for the quarterfinals as well. OK, my pick it is the quarterfinals, but I guess I'm going to add a caveat. You mentioned France and their egos. If England meet France in the quarterfinals, I think France win. However... I've got a strong feeling that Denmark might win Group D. When you consider that Denmark got the better of France in their Nations League group, it might just be that England meet Denmark in the quarterfinals and then go out in the semi-finals. But if logic goes the way it should, as we all sort of are now on a consensus of, it should be England versus France. So I'm sort of offering wishful thinking and saying, well, England will get a stage further, but I think I'm going to circle back and join you two, look silly, and say it's going to be England dropping out in the last eight. 
But let's move on to Group C now. And Craig, when you look at the construction of this group, it could have certainly been a lot worse for Argentina, shall we say. Do you think it could be Lionel Messi's year at last? Yeah, they're one of the few fancy teams in the World Cup for me. Um, I think Argentina are absolutely fantastic with the ball. I think they're going to be a team that creates a lot of chances at the World Cup. Uh, when we get into the latter stages and they're playing other teams, then maybe we'll start looking at their defensive capabilities and, and seeing whether that sort of uh, matches up. But in terms of this group, I think they've got enough firepower to see them through here. Um, after that, we'll see. But but yeah, group, group winners for me uh, and, and should be a fairly exciting team to watch as well. Now, Jamie, like Group B, it looks like there's going to be a defining fixture early on. This one comes in the shape of Mexico and Poland. Mm. In terms of Round 16 progress, who advances in this one? Yeah, look, I think from from Mexico, um, it kind of um, they've been pretty underwhelming this year um, throughout 2022. Um, it is eight wins from 18 matches, but you kind of look at some of the sides they have faced. You'd expected a lot more wins from, from those games, so I think they've been fairly underwhelming this year. Um, meanwhile, Poland, I think they've they've been strong this year. Um, you know, they've managed to beat the likes of Wales, Sweden. They got a draw with the Netherlands as well. Now, Craig, Argentina opened their World Cup bid against Saudi Arabia. Incredibly one-sided in terms of pre-match odds, but which bets are taking your fancy before they get underway? You're right, it's very one-sided and uh, quite difficult to find a bit of value, I thought, uh, here. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pin my hopes on Saudi Arabia maybe giving it a go um, and Argentina sort of easing themselves into the tournament. Um, as I sort of mentioned a couple of minutes ago, Argentina may have defensive questions to answer as, as we sort of go on through the tournament. Um, but... Let's hope that they've got them to answer them in the uh, in the first game. So the bit of value that I've found here is an Argentina win couple with both teams to score. Uh, like I say, I'm sort of pinning my hopes on the fact that Saudi Arabia will just give it a go and hope for the best. They've, they've sort of nothing to lose as such in this game. Uh, that They'll fancy the chance of getting points in the other two more than they would this one. Uh, so let's hope they go out there and give it a go. Argentina, very attack-minded, might concede one. Um, so yeah, Argentina win. And both teams to score is, is where I've gone for a bit of a value angle in this one. Yeah, I guess if you looked at Argentina to nil, there's going to be little or no value. So going against the grain is what we're going to have to do there. And I think that might be a very good suggestion. But Jamie, let's circle back to the Mexico-Poland encounter now. A fascinating fixture, not only from a playing perspective, but a betting perspective. Two contrasting styles. With this in mind, what else takes your fancy in the pre-match markets? Yeah, look, for this one, I'm going to go for the goal-scoring market. Um, I think there's there's some exciting players on, on show for, for Poland. I mentioned Lewandowski, of course. He does look like he's going to be considerably the best player on the pitch. So, you know, he's first for him to be the first goal-scorer here is, is 4-1. to one. And as I said, it just looks like pretty good value considering the form he's been in this season and the form he just is in general. I mean, he's just such a, an unbelievable goal-scorer. So I think that seems like fairly good value. Um to score any time for Lewandowski, he's 7-4. to four. Again, just considering how good he is in front of goal, that seems like another fairly decent shout. And a guy I mentioned earlier, I think um, Zielinski, is a guy who's having a great season with Napoli. Of course, the team who are sat top of Serie A at the moment in the round of 16 of the Champions League. And he's kind of been a key player for them. So I think he can do the same for Poland here. Um, he could definitely be a player to watch at this tournament. And uh, you can get him at 13-2 to two to score any time. Right, let's move on to Group D now. And Craig, it's fair to say that this one is not as clear-cut as first four. Could Denmark upset the apple cart and pick the French to top spot? Yeah, I think you're right. Um, Denmark have sort of beaten France in two Nations League games this summer. Um, and I think the sort of the added intrigue for me with Denmark is based around Christian Eriksen and the fact that the Danes are coming back sort of to the world stage again. 
and they've got Ericsson in their team, sort of what happened at, at Euro 2020 with him, unfortunately. Um, I, just sort of gives them something else to play for and to really sort of believe in and, and whatever. Having said that, I'm going to sort of go back on myself and all of that. Um, to me, France are a team that are all about tournament football. I think they, they've they sort of been there and done it in the past. Uh, they've got a manager who, who really understands tournament football. Um, I think he'll get them going sort of gradually and sort of as we spoke about England, maybe. Um, I can see France taking a similar path and, and getting better with each game and, and sort of peaking as they get to the knockout round. Um, I think France, from a betting perspective, are very short at two to five and they're certainly not for me to win this group at that price. However, if you're purely saying to me who wins this group, uh, then I would have to answer France, despite those two two losses in the summer against Denmark. Well, as mentioned, Jamie, the Danes have already got the French's number in terms of the Nation League matches. Does this matter too much in terms of World Cup performance? Or will this kind of number being already marked, will that be lingering on the minds of Didier Deschamps and his players? Yeah, I think it will certainly have some sort of effect as well. And I just think this is going to be a really interesting one to kind of see who does top this group. It's very difficult to call between these two teams because, again, it comes it comes down to a bit of Denmark look like a really solid team and just a well-functioning team. France may be the opposite, but there's just so much firepower in this French team. The likes of Benzema, of course, Mbappe as well. Um Maybe question marks around the midfield. That could be the only area which lets them down. But look, they've obviously got these the two young guys from, from Real Madrid, the likes of Camavinga and Chouameni, um, who, who could maybe form a solid partnership in the midfield. Um, but look, I, I think as well, it's just one winning six for, for France as well. So they do come into this tournament out of form a little bit. So, so difficult to call this one. But uh, I, I do just fancy France, just because, as I said, they've got that firepower with Benzema and, and Mbappe. And, and regardless of kind of how they are playing, I think when you've got those two guys on the pitch, um, I, I, I fancy France to come out on top here. Now, Craig, France begin their bid to defend the title against Australia. They met in the group stage four years ago. It was a win and both teams to score for the French that afternoon. Would you fancy the same outcome at odds of 9-4? to four? Uh, No, I wouldn't. I'm going to go with the opposite. Uh, actually, to you, I'm going to go with France win to nil at four okay. to five. Uh, France win to nil at four to five, just because I see them starting maybe a little slowly, um, but I think they're going to get the basics right. And it's it, it sort of, again, I'll mention it, it's a similar thing to what I feel that England's going to do, really. I think they're going to start strong defensively. Um, I think they're going to get a couple of narrow wins to sort of get the ball rolling. Uh, Didier Deschamps has sort of been there and done it. I think he's really, really good at, at sort of tournament football. I think he's good at setting his teams up to peak at the right time and, and get ready. Um, so with that in mind, I can just see a, a decent defensive performance, keeping Australia off the score sheet. And somewhere along the line, uh, Kylian Mbappé or Karim Benzema are going to have a chance. They're, they're too good to not get chances. And, I, and ultimately, I think they'll put one of them away. So yeah, it'd be France win to nil at four to five for me. OK, Jamie, you've got the other opening group game. That's Denmark versus Tunisia. Could this be as simple as a Denmark win and under 2.5 total goals at odds of 8 to 11? Or will the Danes have more firepower in their locker? Yeah, I, I think that does sound like kind of an assured shout um, going for the under goals there. Um, I think Denmark, they've kind of shown themselves to not be particularly emphatic goal scorers. Um, just uh, they played eight matches this year and on just one occasion they've scored more than twice. So, um, as I said, I don't think they're a side who are going to be big goal scorers this year. So, um, yeah, I'm, I think going for under 2.5 goals 
and a Denmark win is, is, is the way to go. Right, now it's time to talk about the Golden Boot odds. So, Craig, it's difficult to win this award once. It's almost impossible. I think it is impossible to win it twice. So, with that in mind, Harry Kane won it four years ago. Will he be just as successful in Qatar, or will recent tiredness get the better of him? Yeah, I mean, purely from a, a betting perspective, looking at this betting market solely, um, I'm, I'm very surprised to see that Kane's a favourite at 7-1. to one. Uh, I think he doesn't offer any value whatsoever in this. Uh, when I look at the actual market as a whole, one of the things that I look at um, is I want to bet on someone who's going to play 90 minutes the most of the time, and, and Kane ticks that box. Um, I'd like to see players sort of not guaranteed, because there's no guarantees in football, but a team that I believe will play five games in the tournament, which will be getting to the quarterfinals. And, and as we've mentioned about England sort of getting knocked out of the quarterfinal stage, he ticks that box too. Um, but actually, in terms of everything else, uh, we, we've mentioned that maybe England aren't going to score many goals. As Jamie mentioned in the past, they scored two goals in the group stage at Euro 2020. Um, more often than not, you need to be scoring a hell of a lot more in the group stages before the games get tougher if you want to win this. Uh, so in terms of value, Kane, no value at all for me. Uh, there's there's other picks in there that I prefer. Um, there's two names on the list for me. I'll give you one now and I'll give you one in a bit. Okay. Uh, the first, the man who I like is Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, he's 16 to 1. I think if you offered me the same price on Ronaldo and Kane, I would choose Ronaldo over Kane. Um, he's comes into the tournament fresher than Harry Kane. Uh, you sort of mentioned Kane's tiredness. Um, he comes in with an absolutely enormous point to prove based, based on what's happened over the past few days and, and he's sort of the last couple of months at Manchester United. Uh, one of the things that I think he's struggling with at United is the fact that he's not got no love around him anymore, um, which he's absolutely surrounded by love in the national team. He, he is the main man. He's the one that everybody plays for. Um, and that's not even mentioning the fact that this is his last chance at a World Cup and, and if any of his teammates sort of value that as much as I think they do, then they're going to play even more for Ronaldo. Um, he's got a big chance to get goals in the group more so than, than Kane and I think that Portugal are going to play to his strengths and play quite attacking football um, so so yeah Cristiano Ronaldo will be my first uh, more than double the odds of Kane 16-1 to 1, I think he's, he's well in there with a the chance of this OK then Jamie what about Kylian Mbappe because he was nothing more than a teenager in Russia four years ago now he's a young man ready to terrorise defences once again could his issue be that him and Karim Benzema undercut each other on the hunt for goals? Yeah, well, look, I think one, maybe one thing to really consider when you are looking at this market is kind of looking at the, t the teams that they have in their group for, for each kind of um, team. Um, I, I do like the look of Group C and Group D for France and Argentina. I think that those are two groups where, you know, the, the, like, the top scorers in those teams will really fancy their chances of, of scoring lots of goals. Argentina, obviously looking at Saudi Arabia, Mexico and Poland. So they could be a team to maybe focus on France as well. Um, obviously, Australia and Tunisia in their group, obviously alongside Denmark as well. So, you know, maybe against those two teams, they might, they might really fancy their chances of a lot of goals. So that could stand the, the two French guys in, in real good stead. Um, for me personally, I think I prefer Benzema over Mbappe here. Um, you know, again, we, we've just seen kind of the form that Benzema is hitting at the moment, obviously winning that uh, Ballon d'Or as well. So, yeah, I, I think, but I think you're right, though. I do think having maybe two goal scorers in that team um, can kind of limit the other at, at times. So, you know, that may be where I, I look elsewhere um, rather than uh, Benzema or Mbappe. But Again, it, it kind of I, I just I just think that Benzema is, is such a good goal scorer that he will be in and around it. But uh I, I think you're right. Just having those two goal scorers might just kind of hamper the other. So uh yeah, I'm gonna go along the similar lines where 
um, either Mbappe or, or Benzema might just miss out on this one. Now, Craig, one thing about the golden boot is that players have a habit of finding a minnow early on and then stocking up on the goals. It may not necessarily be someone who's part of the outright winning squad, but who could be good for an early hat-trick in the tournament? Yeah, I think I think you're right with that sort of analysis of it. And this is where the sort of the second name comes in for me, and that's Memphis Depay, uh, the Netherlands. He's 25-1 to 1 to win the golden boot. Um, as I sort of mentioned earlier on, tipped up the Netherlands to win all three group games. I think they're going to do really well in Group A. Um, and then he's got the game against Qatar when they've sort of got over the fact that they're hosts and, and got the first game out of the way. Uh, that, that's a game where I, I think that the Netherlands could really dominate and it wouldn't be surprised if he got on the end of a, a, a few goals. Um, in terms of sort of his golden boot chances, there's, there's a possibility here that he does leave the group stages with maybe three, four, five goals on, on, on sort of under his belt and then would go on to a last 16 game against the USA or Wales, uh, giving him another chance to get more goals under his belt. So, yeah, he's, he's the other one that sort of sticks out as a potential good goal scorer in the group stage. Um, the game against Qatar is a potential hat-trick game for him, yeah. And 25-1 to 1 for the Golden Boot, that, that sort of sticks out as being decent, I think. Well, Jamie, another thing to consider is the each-way market. You can get quarter odds on a top-four finish. Which surprise name could be offering some value to the listeners? Yeah, um, yeah. for this one, I'm going to go for Lautaro Martinez. Um, I think he's going to be the guy that's going to be leading the line for a very strong Argentinian team. Um, I think they're going to be a team who will go very far into this competition. Himself, I think, is a very talented player. He's got eight goals this season. Um, he's netted six times in, his, in his, six times in his last nine appearances for the national team as well. So, as I said, he's going to be a guy who's, who's going to be leading the line for a strong Argentina team. They've also got, I mentioned as well, you know, worth considering who teams have in their group stages for Argentina. I think they've probably got the, arguably the easiest group of them all. There's Saudi Arabia, Mexico and Poland. Um, so you can get him at six to one to finish in the top four scorers. And that, that does seem like good value just because I think there's so much kind of creativity in around him. Again, he's, he's going to be going really far into this competition. And I really fancy Argentina to, to go at least to the semi-finals. So, um, yeah, Latoro Martinez is, is my pick for this one. OK, we now need to put our money where our mouths are because we're going to offer up our golden boot picks. Jamie, this time I'll start with you. What have you got for me? Yeah, do you know what? I, I did really like the look of Lautaro Martinez. You know, even just kind of, um, you know, finishes that golden boot winner. I said with, with the group stage he's got... But I am going to go in a slightly different direction. I'm going to go for Neymar to win it. I think that Brazil are going to be a team who are going to go all the way. I think they're really, really strong this year. I just think there's kind of so much, again, uh, another team that's got so much creativity in and around him. He's a guy who's been unbelievable this year for PSG as well. He's, I, I think as well, Neymar, obviously, since he's been at PSG, you know, he's not really kind of hit the heights that everyone expected him to. But this year, he kind of feels like he's really matured as a player and, and kind of really got his head down. Um, he's having, as I said, he's having a great year for them. He's got 27 goal contributions in 20 appearances this year. So he's hitting great form. He's going to be playing for a Brazil side who obviously are favourites to win the competition. Um, uh, so I, I, for me, Neymar, Neymar's going to be my pick as well. Um, also, he's, as well, for the national team, he's been in great form. Six goals in his last seven. Um, and again, he's a guy who's going to be leading the line for the team that, that, are, that are the favourites to win this competition. So, uh, yeah, Neymar is my pick for this one. OK, Craig, the same question for you, please. Yeah, I'm going with Ronaldo, me, uh, to sort of turn back the years. One last big hurrah on the, the world stage. 16-1 uh, to one he is to win the, the Golden Boot. As I sort of mentioned, the, I think the Manchester United controversy that's come out of the past few days uh, could actually be a good thing for his national team. 
Um, I think it'll give give him something to prove. He, he clearly wants to be out of United. He's looking for a move. Um, I think he wants to show everyone just how good he is, what what United are sort of letting go. Uh, his teammates are going to want to play for him. They all love him. There's there's no sort of issues with him in the dressing room in Portugal. Um, and then sort of going on to the group stages, they've Ghana, South Korea and Uruguay. Uh, it just wouldn't surprise me if he scored a few goals against them. So, yeah, Cristiano Ronaldo, 16-1, to would be my golden boot pick. Right, I'm going to go for Harry Kane. I'm going to put my England hat on. So, as I said, no one's won the award in two successive World Cups, but there is certainly a first time for everything. You kind of talked me out of this almost, but I'm going to put my flag into the ground and say, no, actually, Harry Kane is going to bump up the goals early on because the draw has been kind, even though Gareth Southgate's tactics have been unkind to the team as a whole. So, even if England crash out in the quarterfinals, there's still four matches beforehand. You only really need six goals to win the award outright. And I think even if the three lines are set home earlier than hoped, the Tottenham Tigers man will have enough in the bank. So I'm going to go for Harry Kane to win two in a row. But as I say, as you said, Craig, sorry, there's not enough value really to make you race to go out and back Kane. But sometimes you just have to go for the favourite. And whether it's right or not, we'll just have to wait and see. But let's go to Group E now, as this is arguably the most fascinating group of all. Craig, in your opinion, who will finish top of the standings as Germany and Spain have been pitted together in what must be considered the group of death? Right, I hope you both sat down. <laughs> yeah. Are you ready? Yeah. Japan. Right. <laughs> this this is the group. This is a group where I see the World Cup shock taking place. Um, Japan are much better than the odds suggest. Uh, Spain and Germany are compared to the teams that we saw sort of eight years ago, ten years ago. Absolutely nothing compared to those. Uh, I think Spain and Germany are both priced up on their name and their history. I think they're both probably maybe two or four years away from from really having good sides again. So the next cycle, sort of Euro 24, World Cup 26, they'll they'll be back to what they were. Um, I can't choose between which one of Spain and Germany will miss out. Um, and to be honest, I'm not really that bothered. Uh, but it's Japan, Japan to qualify from the group and Japan to win the group are two bets that I placed in the summer. Wow, the cat has been thrown amongst the pigeons there, Jamie. So, with that in mind, are you copying Craig's homework or are you going with a European powerhouse? When you look at Spain, they made it to the Nations League final. Germany finished third in their group. Can we read too much into this? Is the tournament going to be sort of based on these two powerhouses or is it going to go a different way? What do you make of it? Yeah, I mean, a really, really interesting shout there. And I do think, you know, Craig's certainly right in a way. And you look at these two teams, they're certainly not what they used to be. Um, I, I think with Spain, they probably will be kind of the, the strongest team in this group. And I do think they will go through. I think if Japan are to upset anyone, I do think it will be the Germans. I think you, you kind of look at this this German team and they just look really mediocre at the moment. There's kind of maybe one or two standout players in that team. I really like Jamal Musiala. I think he's a good player and maybe could kind of be one of the, the top young players at this tournament. But I, I just don't really like the look of Germany at the moment. I think, um, you know, we've seen the like Hansi Flick, he, he's, he's selecting Havertz as their their number nine. So they're not really a team who are you know, going to be having that, that real top goal scorer. Um, so that could be something that really does hinder them. So I, I think it's a really interesting shout from Craig to, to kind of maybe put um, Japan ahead of the likes of Spain and, and Germany. Again, I, I look at Spain, you could maybe question them in terms of, you know, do they have the same issues in terms of standout players, a real top goal scorer? Of course, Avaro Morata um, is the guy who's going to be leading the line for them. Um, but look, they've, they've been quite good this year. Um, they've recently they come into this uh, tournament with wins over Switzerland, the Czech Republic. 
um, and Portugal. So um, they've been in good form. So as I said, I, I think Spain will probably be too strong for the rest of this group. But uh, Germany, I think, are probably the ones to look out for in terms of maybe a bit of a shock um, and exiting at the group stage. Now, of course, Craig, Germany lost to Asian opposition in Russia four years ago as they were sent packing from the group stage. I was going to say, assuming no hiccups, but I think you've kind of mixed up a bit now. So I was going to ask for value bets, but which way does it go between Germany and Japan? Yeah, um, so we'll dive into Japan a bit more, but but I think Jamie just made a really good point about Spain and he sort of said he's fancy Spain and, and that's fair enough, but then also threw in that Alvaro Morata were leading their line and and I think that sort of goes back to the fact that Spain and Germany are, are definitely not the, the forces that we've uh, we've sort of come to expect from from those, which is the the sort of the reasoning behind what I think. Um, Kamada at Frankfurt is a player that I really rate, a Japanese player that I really rate. I think he's fantastic. Uh, we also saw Minamino struggle a little with Liverpool, but when he plays for Japan and, and sort of since then, he's been really impressive. Uh, Aito plays over in France. Uh, he top scored in qualifying. The one thing that makes sort of Japan a little different from these sort of teams that maybe can qualify uh, is the fact that they've got a lot of attacking talent. They've maybe not got a star. So like we sort of spoke about Poland with Lewandowski sort of getting them there. And Japan haven't got that. But they've got more threats. Um, and I just do think that they're sort of going to stand up. So in terms of value bets, again, sort of two sort of Japan bets that I've looked at is draw Japan 6-4 to four against Germany and draw Japan 7-4 to four against Spain. Um, but but long term, as I sort of said, I've placed these bets in the summer. I've, Japan are, are currently 15 to four to qualify from the group, which just means one of the two big guns has, has got to fail. Um, and then 14 to one to win the group. It, it wouldn't surprise me, you know, if, if sort of Spain and Germany drew against each other, and Japan were capable of picking up a draw against them both, and all of a sudden there's the group's absolutely like there's two points split in every single team, and it's, it's maybe who scores the most against Costa Rica goes through. Uh, so just for some value, I think 14 to one's a, a, a very fair bet. Well, Jamie, if we take Craig's potential mix of points and draws and all that kind of scenario, Spain are going to look to get their second outright bid underway against Costa Rica. Does this become an early goal hunt? You know, mm. you look at the options available for Spain, not quite the golden generation. Well, they're nowhere near the golden generation, if we're honest, but are goals yeah. early going to be vitally important for the Spanish team? Yeah, I'm going to go for this one. I do think this will be uh, maybe a low-scoring one. I do think Spain will win it, but I don't think they're going to win it emphatically. Um, I did mention earlier, you know, I just don't think they've got that firepower, really. Abel Morata, as, as he mentioned, is, is going to be the guy that's leading the line. Obviously, not kind of the guy that's that's going to be near the, or you really think is going to be near the top scorers. Then you look at their other forwards as well, the likes of Ferran Torres, Ansu Fati, uh, Sarabia. These are not guys that are, you know, full of goals and that are going to contribute lots. So, um, yeah, I, th I think Spain will do fairly well, but they're just missing kind of those real goal scoring players. So I don't think it's going to be an emphatic win. I think maybe a win to nil uh, might be the way to go here for Spain. Um, they're at eight, eight to 15 to kind of do so. They're also two to one, uh, two to one. Uh, to win and uh, score under 2.5 goals. So, uh, yeah, maybe uh, maybe to win and under 2.5 goals is, is slightly better value. Um, but I say that just because I just don't think they've got the players in that team to, to really score lots of goals. So, um, yeah, those are my two shouts for this one. OK, let's move on to Group F. And this one sees Belgium and Croatia pair together. Is there a clear dividing line between the European haves and the have-nots, Craig? Or are you going to jumble up the order once again? Are you ready for another shot, Dan? Yes, go. Let, let's go. Yeah. No, I've not got one here, no. sorry. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, in my opinion, I think Belgium and Croatia are a fair way ahead of the other two. Um, 
the only way that I've sort of found something that takes my interest in this group is if you're sort of looking for an ACA builder at any point, then Belgium and Croatia to both qualify in any order from this group is 8-13. to 13. Uh, That looks a solid sort of ACA pick to me. I think they, they are well ahead of, of the others in the group and, and it should be two wins from two for, for both of them in the other two games and then whoever wins this game, uh, which I think will be Belgium, uh, will, will go through as group winners. Now, the big question here, Jamie, is who do you think finishes top? You've got Belgium's golden generation, which is starting to fade. Croatia's class of 2018 is four years older. We mentioned Group F and E being interlinked, so finishing top could be even more important than any other group. Which mm. way does this one go? Yeah, look, do you know what for this one? I've got no doubt in my mind. I actually think it will be Croatia that win this group. Um, just on Belgium... It looks as though kind of that this, this squad's golden generation, obviously, we've seen for the last couple of tournaments, seems to be well and truly over now. Um, obviously, they do have those standout names with the likes of De Bruyne and Courtois. But apart from that, they're just kind of not really, uh, you know, not really kind of much to get excited about with this Belgian team. There's also kind of a lot of weaknesses now in this team where, you know, maybe defensively, they're definitely not the team they used to be. And... You know, obviously, Craig mentioned in the, in the last uh, segment about uh, an upset in that group. But I actually think this could be where the, the upset does come from. Um, I think the Belgium could go out in the group stages. I think Morocco are a team that, that could also cause some issues for them as well. But look, as I said, Croatia, they look like a really strong team this year. Um, they've won all of their last four games coming into this tournament. They beat France, Austria and then, of course, Denmark twice, which, you know, is, is certainly a very... Um, you know, a very big achievement for them. Um, I think they're a team that comes in with real experience and obviously some big players in, in some key areas. I think their midfield looks really strong. They've got the likes of Kovacic, Modric um, and uh, Brozovic. Then, of course, we know in the attack, they've got the likes of Perisic, Kramaric. Um, and then Guardiola in defence as well. He's obviously been a guy who's, who's linked with the, some really big clubs around Europe. Obviously, Chelsea, a team that looking to get him. He's a really big up-and-coming defender. So, um, I, I really like the look of this Croatia team. Um, so, for me, I think Croatia will be the ones to top this group. But uh, I think Morocco might be, might be the other side to kind of look at um, in terms of maybe causing an upset in this one. I just think with Belgium... I said their golden generation looks well and truly past them. There's real weaknesses in this this squad now. So um, yeah, I I think this is where the shock the shock of the tournament could be come from, and uh, Belgium exit at the group stages. Okay, then in terms of opening matches, Croatia go up against Morocco. Craig, they are currently seventeen to twenty to win. Does that price seem good value? Or with the notes that Jamie's just offered, is there an element of caution attached to that? I think it does offer good value, yeah. Um, the one thing about Croatia is I would be maybe wary of backing them further on in the competition. Uh, I think their better players are also their older, more experienced players sort of generally. And, and I do wonder how, especially in the heat over there, um, in the middle of in the middle of a uh, regular season, just how far Croatia can go. But, but that's not going to have any impact on the group stage. Um, I do think they'll have far too much quality for Morocco. And, and I just see Croatia getting off to a good start here. It's really interesting to hear what Jamie said about Morocco maybe upsetting uh, Belgium. That's, that's not an angle that I really thought about. I think I don't think Belgium will necessarily go too far, but um, I do think they'll have enough to get out of this group. Well, Jamie, Belgium have perhaps the easier task, or maybe not, because they welcome Canada back to the World Cup. You can get the win to nil for the Belgians at odds of 11-10. to 10. Does that sound of interest, or will Jonathan David gatecrash the party? 
Yeah, I think you're right with the latter there. I think they are a team who can score in this one. They netted 23 times in, in 14 World Cup qualifying matches. Um, I think Larin and David are going to form a very strong partnership in attack. We've seen Carl Larin. He netted 13 times during qualifying. Meanwhile, Jonathan David, uh, he got nine. So maybe in terms of the goal scorers of this one, there could be a bit of a value. Uh, you can get Carl Larin to score any time at four to one. Jonathan David, he's 10 to three to do so. Um, so I, I, I just I kind of look at this um, uh, this Belgium defence, and you know you look at the likes of um, Yamatongan, Toby Alderweireld, obviously guys that I appreciate very much, but I think they're kind of getting towards the very much the latter stages of their career. They're going to be starting, so I, th- I think Canada will look at this this Belgian team and think there's there's joy to be had. And um, I said you know they've got this really strong partnership with Larin and David. Um, I mentioned with the goal scoring, um, you know the goal scoring odds. I do really like the look of Larin to score any time at um, four to one. I think that could definitely be a a, a pretty nice shout considering um, Belgium's weaknesses in defence. Right, before we move on, just a quick point on the Golden Glove Award. That being for the best goalkeeper, the likes of Alisson, Thibaut Courtois and Manuel Neuer will be in the frame. Craig, who would you back to win this? I think it's a really difficult market to look at, actually, as a punter, this one. I think you need a, a sort of a team that goes far in the tournament, but also one that's maybe not great defensively, um, so that they can allow their goalkeeper to shine. I think England's maybe the prime example here that, I mean, we, we all believe that England's going to get knocked out of the quarterfinals, but it wouldn't surprise us if England got to the quarterfinals, but Jordan Pickford didn't really have that much to do. Um, so, so Jamie's just mentioned Belgium, and it's Courtois that, that catches my eye here. I, I do think they'll get out of the group stage, um, sort of different to what Jamie thinks. Maybe get to the quarterfinals, but I do agree with him that they're, they're not great defensively. And it, it could be that Courtois sort of keeps them in games from time to time and, and pulls off a few good saves here and there. And, and as I said, it's a, it's a tricky market to work out, but I can see Belgium doing okay, but not being good defensively. And that sort of heightens the sort of spotlight on Courtois enough for him to be in with a chance of winning this. Now, Jamie, do you think a winner comes from those first three names offered or could it be the likes of Emmy Martinez, maybe even Hugo Lloris? Yeah, do you know what? I'm actually going to go down that route. I'm going to go for Emmy Martinez to kind of win this award. Um, Argentina, it obviously goes slightly different to what Craig said, but Argentina, they've got a really strong defence. And I think it might come down to the winner of this one, might just come down to kind of who's got the most clean sheets. And I still think Emmy Martinez will, will have plenty to do, but... I, th- I think he's a really solid goalkeeper. I mean, I, I look at Argentina's defence. I mean, just for example, Christian Romero, he's got an unbelievable record of uh, 12 appearances in the national team. He's kept 10 clean sheets in that time um, and conceded just twice. So it just shows that Argentina, I think they're going to be really strong defensively at the tournament um, as well. Just in general, Argentina, they've kept 12 clean sheets in, in the last 14 matches. So I, I think maybe the winner from this one might come from who keeps the most clean sheets um, and I, I think Argentina just kind of looked to be maybe the stand-up team in terms of the defence. So, um, yeah, I, I think given how strong Argentina are defensively, um, Emmy Martinez is my pick and you get him at 7-1. to one. I think that's a very solid shout. And, of course, check out freebets.com for the best insight and betting tips ahead of this World Cup. Right, moving swiftly on to Group G now and the favourites, Brazil. A bit of deja vu for Tite's men as they are once again paired with Serbia and Switzerland. So, Craig, will the eventual outcome be the same for the home of Samba football? I think it will, yeah. I think the, the really interesting element to this group is the battle for second, which I'm sure Jamie's going to get on to in a second. Um, Brazil should beat both of these teams. Uh, this Brazilian team's got the Brazilian flair that we all know and love. 
But I think they're also fairly good defensively as well. And I think, sort of generally speaking, Brazilian football, maybe over the past decade or two, has, has upped their game defensively. And that will eventually help them on the world stage. Uh, the one sort of bet that I look to here is um, Brazil to get nine points and win all three games. It's available at two to one, which is sort of better odds than just backing them to win the group. Um, I just think Brazil are going to start well, sort of hit the ground running and win all three group games. Now, Jamie, four years ago, it was Switzerland who managed to advance to the round of 16. Do you think the Serbian team can exact revenge this time? Will a lot depend on the fitness of Aleksandra Mitrovic? Mm. Yeah, look, I, I think this is actually quite a tough group for Brazil. Um, again, I, I really do like the look of them. So I think they will go all the way and, and kind of um, get through, or certainly get through the group stage anyway. Um, but look, Switzerland and Serbia, they're both capable of causing um, problems. Um, Serbia, they were outstanding in qualifying. They topped their group over Portugal. Um, but look, Mitrovic, obviously an important player for them. And we have seen kind of question marks over his fitness. But you know, there's still elsewhere in this team where they have got attacking talent. They've got, obviously, Dusan Vlahovic to come in. Obviously, a, a very exciting young player. Um, uh, they've obviously got Tadic as well. Kostic, uh, another player at Juventus who, who's having a great season for them. Um, meanwhile, I'm in Switzerland. They head into the they head into this World Cup of the back of three straight wins. Um, they beat Portugal, Spain and Czech Republic. So, certainly three big wins there. Um, we, of course, saw them eliminate France, the Euros as well. So, yeah, this is it's actually a really, this is going to be a really interesting game. I'm really looking forward to seeing this one. Um, again, I think Brazil will be too strong for these two teams. But, uh, yeah, really, I'm just going to say that I just think it's been really difficult to call this one because I think both teams have come into, the, come into this tournament with great form, with two strong squads as well. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely fascinated to see who comes out on top here. Now, Craig, as for Serbia, they go up against Brazil in their first outing. They lost 2-0 four years ago. You can get 6-1 to on the same happening in Qatar. Would you be backing this routine win? Uh, yeah, I would, actually. Yeah, I think it's a, a fair shout at 6-1. to um, Certainly, if, if Mitrovic doesn't play, and I think if you're Serbia and, and he's got a bit of a niggle, is it wise to keep him away from the first game? Right, a game yeah. that you, you probably lose anyway, do you know? Do you know? And, and let him have those extra few days rehab and, and get him... Get him there for for the two games against Switzerland and Cameroon, where you know you you do need to pick up at least four points, if not six, if if you want to get there. Um, so with that, then I, I do think that Brazil will be able to keep Serbia off the score sheet. Um, maybe finding their their own feet a little bit with it being the first game. So yeah, I think two nil, six to one. That that sounds really good. Yeah. Well, Jamie, Switzerland go up against Cameroon. I think the smart money might be backing under two point five goals. But is there anything else that catches your eye? Yeah, I think you're right in terms of a low-scoring one. I think this is kind of a fairly... It feels like a fairly under, uh, underwhelming Cameroon side. Um, you maybe look at their attack. I think probably their most um, dangerous player is going to be Vincent Abubakar. We obviously saw him have a good AFCON. But uh, yeah, I, I think this will be a case of where Switzerland will be too strong. Also, just on, on the group as well, I think Switzerland, obviously, they've got that experience in, in major tournaments as well. Again, I mentioned they, they did knock out um, France in, in the Euros. So that could be what kind of makes them the stand-up team uh, ahead of Serbia. But uh, yeah, for this one, um, I think you're right, will be a low-scoring one. I think also maybe a Switzerland win to nil could be the way to go. I mentioned there's just kind of feels like there's a lack of firepower in this Cameroon team. So uh, you can get Switzerland win to nil at uh, six to four. And last but certainly not least is Group H. And Craig, would it be fair to say that this group is the most open of all? Maybe not with Portugal being the winners, but for the second base team, it might be toss of a coin. Is that your view? Certainly is, yeah. I think Portugal are deserving favourites. Uh, we'll get on to them in a second. But 
it's another group where the battle for second place is is perhaps the most fascinating element of all of that. Um, in terms of Portugal, as I sort of mentioned before, I think this Ronaldo stuff that's all come out and his unhappiness at Manchester United is actually a positive for the national team. I think they're going to really be galvanised and they're going to want to play for him. I think he's going to score goals as well. I think he's got a personal point to prove. Uh, so I would have Portugal winning the group. Um, Uruguay are a team that really interests me because I don't know how much they're sort of priced up on on maybe past experiences. And, and maybe while they're not going to play every, every game, a team that's sort of forcing themselves to still take Suarez and Cavani as a strike partnership to the World Cup sort of shows to me that they've not got much faith in anything coming through. Um, I'm intrigued to see the fitness around Sun here. Um, I think if you sort of guaranteed me that he's fit and ready to play three games, maybe Portugal to win the group and South Korea to come second at 11-2 to two would be the way that I'd go. I think maybe that would interest me. Now, Jamie, there's always a group stage shock lurking somewhere. You mentioned Belgium. Could you also believe Portugal might be sent packing? How do you see the complexion of Group H unfolding? Yeah, look, I, I do think there will be a shock in this group. I don't, but I don't think it will be um, Portugal exiting at the group stages. I do think this is a, a fairly strong team. I think uh, Craig makes a good point there as well. I think there will be something to prove with Ronaldo and obviously wanting to give him a good send-off. Um, so I do think they will make it through the group stages, but I think they'll do it as runners-up because I really do like the look of this Uruguay team. Um, I think there's some really talented players in there, like um, Jimenez um, of Atletico Madrid, um, Araujo of uh, Barcelona, really nice young centre-back. Um, so I think he, you know I, I just look I really do like the look of this Uruguay team. Darwin Nunes as well, obviously another attacker. Um, obviously finding a bit of form towards the the, the obviously the Premier League season. Um, so I, I really like the look of this Uruguay team, as I said. Um, and you get them at two to one to, to top the group, and uh, I think that they're probably my shout for for the biggest dark horses this tournament. I think they've got a really nice team there. So um, yeah, I'm going to go for Uruguay to top this group at uh, two to one. Well, Craig, to get things underway, Uruguay face off against South Korea. So, Min Song, as you said, there's a reference or there's some doubt against his injury status at the moment. He, he says he's fit, but whether he's going to be fully fit, we don't know yet. So, would you be backing him to get a win for his nation, odds of 15-4? to 4? I think there's a bit of value there. Obviously, uh, this is where me and Jamie disagree a little bit. Um, I, I think if some plays, then that gives South Korea a, a, a genuine match winner. Um, they strike me as a team that plays with nothing to lose. They're, they're not going to come in here and, and play defensive football. Um, I, Jamie obviously likes Uruguay's hopes a little more than I, I do uh, in this tournament. Um, maybe, maybe he's got a little bit more knowledge and I'm going to look silly in a little bit. But, but yeah, I think, why not? South Korea, let's, uh, let's go. Well, Jamie, Portugal get their campaign underway against Ghana. You can get Ronaldo and co and both teams scoring out to 3-1. to one. So, do you reckon the Portuguese will come up on top in this game but also concede? How does that sound to you? Yeah, I think this is a really interesting one. And I do like the look of that shout. Um, I think Portugal will be too strong for Ghana in this one. So, I do think they will get the win. Um, but you look at Ghana, they've got some of that firepower that obviously I mentioned other teams are missing. Um, they've got Mohamed uh, Kudus, obviously a guy who's, who's having a decent season um, with Ajax. Enaki uh, Williams is the guy who's expected to kind of lead the line for them. Obviously, a guy who's been with Athletic Bilbao for a number of years and obviously done very well there. Um, so I think he's a guy who, I think they've got players in that team who, who can contribute with goals. Um, but as I said, I think Portugal should be too. Yeah, I, I think that's a good shout by team to score and uh, a Portuguese win. OK, it's time for our final bit of business, and it's the all-important discussion about who will win the tournament outright. At the time of recording, the outright odds are Brazil favourites at 4-1, to then Argentina at 11-2, to France 13-2, to 
England and Spain both on 8-1, to and then Germany at 10-1. to So Craig, there's the top half dozen. Who do you think will be lifting the trophy in a few weeks' time? I think it's very, very tough to call, but I've gone down with France in the end. Uh, France at 13-2 to for me. Um, so, so they've been there and done it in the past, which I think is a big thing. Um, not only a good chunk of their squad, but also the coach as well. Uh, a couple of absentees in midfield, which does make life more difficult. You would have fancied sort of a Pogba, Kante, uh, French duo in the middle of the park to have really pushed them forward, which which they're doing with it without both. Uh, but I think that sort of speaks to to the rest of the team and, and what they're capable of doing. And um, they've got a very good goalkeeper. Uh, I, I think they're fairly strong in defence. Um, as long as they're rock solid in midfield, and they don't have to be any better than that. Uh, I think they've got an abundance of sort of different players that can bring attacking football to them. The, the, the threat of Benzema is one that you've got to handle, but then you've also got Mbappe as well, which offers a completely different threat and they can change the way they play depending on what they do. Um, just the, Their experience and the experience of Deschamps sort of combined with all of that, despite missing a couple of players, I just think that they're, they're a fair price at 13-2 to two and sort of push come to shove. Um, I've gone with France. And Jamie, the same question to you. Will it be France making it two in a row or do you have someone else up your sleeve? Yeah, look, I, I think a couple of uh, many months ago, I think we spoke about this market and kind of early favourites for the tournament. Um, and for me, it was I, I was really like the look of both South American teams, obviously Brazil and Argentina. Um, and again, I, I do think this is where the winner is going to come from. I think these two teams, um, if everything goes to plan, I think they're both due to meet each other in the semi-finals. It's a shame, it obviously, would have been a, a fantastic match to maybe seen them both in the final. And and for me, I do think these are the two standout teams. So. I'm just leaning towards Brazil for this one. Um, obviously, as you mentioned, they are four to one to win it. I just think kind of they've got everything they need to to really go in all the way. Um, I think maybe one area you could obviously question that they are missing. Obviously, we're seeing Dani Alves, 39 years old, um, going to the tournament. So maybe fullback is is a slight issue. But again, I just look at kind of the rest of this squad. You got the, so much. Um, depth as well and I think that that's a big thing you look at the attack obviously Neymar Vinicius Junior Gabriel Jesus Anthony Richarlison Martinelli so so many um, really good attacking players there in defence as well they look really strong there's there's so many good partnerships there um, you know you, you're going to have the likes of Militao Bremer maybe missing out on a starting 11 um, because you've got some experienced guys like Thiago Silva and Marquinhos so and, and the midfield as well just looks really strong as well I really like Bruno Gimeres I think he's doing fantastically well at uh, Newcastle. So I, ju I just think they've kind of got everything really that they need to go all the way in this tournament. I think they've got the guy um, who I think is going to be top scorer as well. I think that's going to be really key. Guy who's going to score plenty of goals in Neymar. Um, so as I said, with the squad depth they've got, the quality they've got, I just think they've kind of got everything they need to win this tournament. So Argentina, side, I do really like. I said they're a really well-functioning team, but I I'm going to lean just towards Brazil just because I think they've got too much quality. Okay, then I am going to stay in South America, but I am going to go for Argentina. Now, if you asked me a month or so ago, I probably would have gone for Brazil. But when you back the favourites, and I know I mentioned the favourite in terms of the golden boot market, so I'm kind of going against my own logic, but there's so much that can go wrong at a World Cup that just picking the favourites doesn't sit right for me when you consider you've got seven matches to, to navigate. Now, that in itself is part of the reason, but also... Lionel Messi is a bigger part of the reason because not only is he Lionel Messi, but he's found somehow another level at PSG. You know, we kind of looked at him last season and thought, is this the fading force? He's moved from Barcelona. 
He's just kind of seeing out his time in Liga and, you know, fair play to him. However, this season, he's kind of thrust himself back into the spotlight and you feel that with the timing of that thrusting and that World Cup just around the corner, they seem to be just interlinking at just the right time. The romantic in me wants Lionel Messi to win a World Cup as well. I just feel that, you know, nothing's ever really written in the stars in terms of football and especially in the World Cup and betting. But I've just... I've just got a certain feeling that Argentina are going to do it and I feel Lionel Messi is going to get that one trophy which has eluded him for all this time and if he does, I think it'll be the perfect end to his international career. He'll probably go on, but it will be the perfect bow on a decade plus of what he's done for Argentina. So I'm going to go for the second favourites at 11-2 to with just a little bit more value. Right, that brings us to full time in what has been a bumper World Cup episode. So take a breath, you two. You've done fantastic. We just need to do the admin now which is as simple as thanking my top guests. And of course, before we do that though, if any of these bets take your fancy, make sure to visit the FreeBets website. And now it is time to thank those guests. So Craig, thanks for joining me this afternoon. I hope you enjoyed that one. Yeah, really good. Can't wait to get the tournament underway now. Thank you. Absolutely. And Jamie, thanks for your time and sharing your betting insights with me. Yeah, look, my pleasure, Dan. And uh, again, it's obviously really excited for the tournament now. I think just kind of talking about it and obviously all the things that's going to happen. Uh, yeah, really excited for that kind of that kickoff in the first match. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it now. Bring on Sunday, bring on the next four weeks. That's what I say. And with that said, it just leaves me to say that my name's Dan Tracy. This is the Odds On Podcast. And until next time, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>